So this morning I woke up and I went outside and I breathed in and as I stepped out on my porch I exhaled and I could see the vapor form, the mist. And then it disappeared. And I wonder, is that what our life is like? Just a mere vapor and then it disappears. Is there any meaning in our life here on earth? Is there any substance to what we do here? Is it left behind? And those are, it's a weighty question to think about what is the worth of our life here on earth? But perhaps it's a good topic for this Sunday, All Saints Sunday. And the book that we're going to go to is the book of Ecclesiastes. And it is one of the books in the Bible that addresses the question, does our life here on earth have meaning? So Ecclesiastes is the 21st book in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And of course, that's written before Jesus came to earth. So we need to remember that the people that lived then do not have the knowledge that we have from the New Testament. But there's a question in Ecclesiastes, it's considered wisdom literature. There's, it's couched in the middle with five, other, with five books. So Ecclesiastes um, is with Job, Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, and the final one is Song of Solomon, and that is considered wisdom literature. And it's important for me to tell you this because when we read the Bible, when we understand what the author is talking about, it's easier for us to know what we're reading. And this particular literature isn't to tell us about the laws, it's not to tell us about history, it is actually to tell us about life and make us think about life in particular about our relationships with each other, our relationship with creation, our relationship to ourselves, and our, most importantly, our relationship with God. And so let's go to Ecclesiastes. I will also tell you that Ecclesiastes is a hard book. It argues against the idea that there's orderliness in life. It argues against the idea that we always reap what we sow. And most of us have lived enough life to know that that's true. The person who works really hard doesn't always get all the riches. Good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people. So let's go to Ecclesiastes. It starts out like this. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun, under the sun, on this earth? The first step in attempting to grasp this, the wisdom of this book is to have a bit of understanding where it comes from. Many of the scholars say that this book was written by King Solomon, and that fits with how it's introduced. Um, Solomon was a king, and he also was the son of David, and he was also known for his wisdom. So that fits, so that's a possibility. It's also important to know that there are two voices in this book. The first is like the author, and he introduces the book, and then he's silent until the very end, and I think it's about six verses that he sums up and concludes the entire book to say what it means. So in the middle, there's a second voice, and that's mostly what we hear. So let's go to verse one again. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. 
The New International Version of the Bible uses the word teacher to identify the second, the second voice, while the New American Bible Revised Edition uses the word coeleth. The words of David's son, coeleth, king of Jerusalem. So the original Hebrew text uses the word coeleth. And that word is used throughout Ecclesiastes. I think it's used a total of seven times. And that number seven has some meaning. And it's always used in reference to that second voice. So if you've been exposed to another language or you've been around somebody that has English as a second language, you may notice that the nuances of some words are lost and we don't get the full meaning. So sometimes when we translate from Hebrew to English, the meaning is a little bit different than what it really means. So we get different um, translations. So Kueleth is translated in the NIV as teacher, but it can also be translated as the word preacher, which is defined as someone who gathers or assembles people together and is teaching or imparting wisdom on that group of people. So I have a time-lapse video that I'd like to show you, and it's about the life of a seed. So while you're watching the video, think about some of the details that you're seeing, and we're going to use this to talk about the words of Coeleth. Fascinating, isn't it? Watching the life spring forward in one brief minute. And time is sped up in this video, so it holds our attention. And I would guarantee if we had to go and sit out in the field and plant a seed and then watch as it sprang up, none of us would stay there that long. So um, we don't have that patience. And Coeleth, he doesn't sugar, sugarcoat life at all in Ecclesiastes. He doesn't soften it so we experience life in this soft way. He is a realist, or some might say a pessimist, but he gives us some hard realities of life. And the first basic theme that he offers is that time moves forward regardless of our human lives. So Ecclesiastes 1.4 says, time moves forward, whoops, excuse me, generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. And then in nine, what has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. With regard to our seed video, did you notice that the seed changed? A sprout grew, the roots went down, and it burrowed its way into the earth. 
The earth was moved a bit, but it was unchanged. For humankind, there is nothing new under the sun. We are less than a millimeter in the timeline of heaven and earth. The second theme that is offered is that we're all going to die. It doesn't make any difference if we're righteous or unrighteous, if we're wicked or if we're good, if we're moral or immoral, all of us will die. Um, Ecclesiastes 3, 19 and 20 says, surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from the dust and to the dust return. So we saw a variety of seeds planted. All sprouted and grew. And when we think about seeds, we may only think about new life. But where did that seed come from? So I specifically paid attention to the corn kernel, and I think that's because I walked the path here in Kearney, and there is a cornfield out there. So, you know, in the spring, you start seeing those shoots come up, and some days it seems like the corn grows like a foot a day, and there's probably some farmers in here that could tell me that that's right or wrong, it seems like that. But then now, in the fall, um, the plants are withered, they're brown, I'm waiting for the farmer to come and harvest those because I'm pretty sure that it, it needs to come pretty soon. And do you know that the seed is there in the dead plant? The seed comes from, from death. So if the corn was left there, and some of the corn has been on the edges, the deer have been in it, and it's trampled. So if the corn's left there, we know that it will eventually go back into the earth. So dust, what comes from dust, returns to dust. The third theme is this, life has randomness about it. Ecclesiastes 9.11, I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. In the field of corn, there are good plants and bad plants, but we know that all of those plants, the entire field gets the sun, and the entire field gets the rain. This concepts, or these concepts, can pretty much erase your hope of trying to better yourself or better the world by our thoughts or actions, and to sum it up, these are the three principles that Coeleth gives. Time moves forward with no regard for our human lives. We're all going to die. Life has randomness about it. These definitely sound like doom and gloom. Like I said, these are, this is wisdom, and it's, it's to prod us, to make us think, to goad us on. But there's truth and validity in all these statements. That's part of our life. And you may be wondering, where's the good in all of this? So be patient, I'll get to that, I promise. There's a Hebrew word that's used um, in Ecclesiastes, and it's used almost 40 times, 38 I think to be exact. And whenever there's a word used over and over in a passage of scripture, we're supposed to pay attention to it. And that word is hevel, it can also be called hebel. And the English translation most of the time is meaningless or vanity. And the thing is, is that there are some scholars that say that the essence of that word is better described as vapor or smoke. And if you think about smoke, it's always changing. 
It may look solid, but you cannot grasp it. And when smoke is thick, you cannot see through it. There's no visibility. And the text may lead us to the conclusion that Coeleth isn't trying to make the statement that life is meaningless, but rather the statement that life's meaning is never clear, which is a whole different slant. Like smoke, life is unpredictable and it's uncontrollable. We don't have control over much of anything, really. We don't have control over the past. It's done. It's been there. We don't really have control over the future. We, it's unpredictable. Uh, the minute we think we're going along just fine, something can come in and just knock us off. However, we can control our attitude towards the present moment. We can be present, and we can enjoy each moment, the good and the bad, because every moment we have is a gift from God. In the text, the author even acknowledges that wisdom, pleasure, work, power, riches, religion, and other things all have value. And they are useful, but it is in their proper time and place that they have lasting value. And they only have lasting value if God is at the center of your life. So earlier, um, Adam read the familiar passage from Ecclesiastes verses, um, in chapter three, verses one through eight. And this is probably the best known verses in Ecclesiastes. Some of you may remember the song from the birds, turn, turn, turn. Okay, it came out in the early 60s and I was barely born, but some of you probably remember it. <laughs> and beyond that, um, that scripture a lot of times is chosen for funerals, celebrations of life, and it's chosen for weddings too. And the reason it's chosen is because it talks about the transitions that happen in life. And it speaks to our life experience. There are the 14 pairs of opposites emphasize that life is full of contrasts. We have wins and losses. We have successes and failures. We have mountaintops and we have valleys. And we travel them all. We have seasons in our lives. There's four seasons, weather seasons, here in Missouri, spring, summer, winter, fall. But in our lives, we have numerous, numerous seasons. And they're not always related to age either. So right now, my husband and I are going through the season of empty nest. And there's good and bad things about that. We are called to enjoy each of those. The good thing is, I no longer have to check the school schedule to make plans. Done. Woo-hoo. Been doing that for really 25 years. Our, our children are really spread out. The bad thing is, is that, you know what, we miss them. We miss having four extra kids in our house. We, we miss that energy. We miss, you know, what's going on in the day. And FaceTime just isn't the same as having somebody there. Um, the scripture passage affirms that God is the one who determines the time for each season. A question for us to ask ourselves, are we experiencing the moments God has laid before us? Are we in that moment? Are we choosing to live in the past? Are we choosing to live in a dream? Many of you right now are thinking, what do I need to get done as soon as I leave church? Aren't you? And some of you are probably thinking about the Chiefs game. I see, yeah, <laughs> woohoo, and I see the red out there. And when is she going to finish that sermon? And when do we get to eat this candy? So um, we're going to do a little exercise with our candy. So, um, and it's an exercise in mindfulness. 
and being in the moment. So together as a church family, we're going to experience eating a piece of candy. And this, you know what, to, to be mindful, it is something you practice. So we're gonna do this together. So everybody take their piece of candy. You should have picked it up on the way in. And you can take off the little white part. There are trash cans by the exits that you can put those in. We're not gonna put it in our mouth yet. <laughs> so, so I want you to just look at your piece of candy. Run your fingers over the foil. Feel that it is um, maybe smooth on one side and um, textured on the other. Then go ahead and open the candy up. You can look at it. Don't put it in your mouth yet. Examine it. Feel the edges. Look at the top. Does it have an imprint on it? And then smell it. And as that scent goes into your nostrils, um, what are you experiencing? What are you thinking? Does it bring happiness? Pleasant memories? Are the saliva glands in your mouth starting to water? Okay, so then place the chocolate in your mouth. Don't chew. <laughs> Audible, oh. And let it melt. So if you're comfortable, close your eyes. If you're not, leave them open. And experience that melting chocolate, or if you have the sugar-free, you can experience the flavor um, filling your mouth. Think about where you taste that most. You know, there's taste buds that sense different things throughout your mouth, on your tongue. Move the candy around with your tongue. Does the taste change? What's happening to the chocolate? Now it's going to take a while maybe for that chocolate to melt, but I'm going to go on speaking. And when um, you get to the point that it's all melted and you swallow, um, experience that going down your throat and what it feels like. And so you're fully experiencing and being in the moment with that piece of candy. And you think about it, was it more or less satisfying than, okay, the way I typically eat chocolate is unwrap it and stick it in, chew it up and get the next piece going, what's more satisfying? What's more healthy? So how many times do we eat mindlessly or act mindlessly or say things mindlessly? How many times are we not really in the moment? In the moment with God, in the moment with the people we're with? As we read further in Ecclesiastes, we read, what profit have workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to mortals to be busied about. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Do we spend our lives being busy for the sake of being busy? Or do we appreciate the moments that have been given us? Trusting God and being content without knowing the whens and the wise of life. Ecclesiastes 3.13. I know there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. We may be inclined to think the only time we're with God is when we're in here in church, or when we're having quiet time at home, or when we're out in nature. But that's just not real. 
God is always with, with us. We can experience God when we are cleaning out the closet, when we're washing the dishes, when we're even watching Chiefs football. We can experience God. God is not seasonal. God endures forever. God is with you. Are you with him? Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you that you are the God of all seasons of life. We thank you that you are the alpha, the omega. You are here from beginning to end. Lord, we know that you have put in our hearts the mystery of time, not knowing why or when. But Lord, we thank you because that keeps us on a struggle, a struggle to get to know you better, to understand life, to understand meaning and purpose. We thank you that we live today knowing that you sent Jesus, your only son, to die for us. And that through him, we can come close to you. Lord, we thank you for the saints that have gone before us. And we thank you for the saints that will come after us. Lord God, our God, how wonderful it is to be in your presence right now, right here. In Jesus' name, amen.